I am uh, not an overly uh, emotional person. Uh, I think most of my family would probably tell you that. I, I'm not a robot either. I mean, I do, uh, I do have emotions. I would uh, make an argument to you that when This Is Us started on NBC a couple weeks ago, that it was perfectly aligned with allergy season. And there were times... There were times that my wife would look over at me and see some moisture around my eyes, and I would argue to her, this is allergies. That's all it is. This is allergies. So I'm not overly uh, emotional, but as with anybody, uh, there have been times in life, like, like all of us, where I have had emotional reactions. Uh, because, because that's how we're all wired. I remember uh, my wedding day, 15 uh, years ago, uh, this December, standing in front of a, standing in a middle school auditorium because that's where our church met at the time and standing up front with my best friends in the world and my, uh, mu- the music changed and there was Cheryl with her dad and I had an emotional response. Uh, I was so happy and she was so beautiful and I was so shocked that she showed up um, that... <laughs> Um, there, there, is, there is this picture that you will never see uh, of me up front. We have it at our house of me o- o- getting ready to engage in an ugly cry uh, up at the front of that middle school uh, auditorium. I remember uh, getting ready to, to move to Decatur, Illinois uh, at, at our previous church. Uh, we knew this was God's plan for us. We knew this was God's will for us. Uh, but I had grown uh, to love the people at our church before this one uh, quite a bit. And they had a little party scheduled for me. And I remember uh, they were going to bring me up to pray. And on the last Sunday uh, that we were going to be at that church, and you have to understand, I had met Cheryl at this church. We had a lot of memories there. We knew God was leading us here. But I remember uh, standing in the front row of, of church on my last Sunday and just all of a sudden my shoulders are, are heaving and I'm crying and snot is forming. It's not a good look. All right. Um, when we finalized our kids' adoptions, uh, it is such a, a, a stressful thing to go through. You're being evaluated and judged at every turn, and you know you're okay. You're, you know you're, you're good, but still there's this moment of uh, just uh, so much happiness when you receive your child, but that is followed by six more months of judging <laughs> right, after you receive your child, and then you stand before a judge one day, and there's this moment where the judge says, both of our kids' adoptions, uh, this happened. There's a moment where the judge says, it is just as if this child has been born to you. And, and Cheryl and I both, it is an emotional moment. And I think everyone in this room can relate to some of those examples. Uh, now, some of you are very emotional, right? You've been known to cry at Tide commercials. I know you, all right? So, so some of you are very, very emotional. You're wired up emotionally. Um, but even people that are not wired up emotionally, we have these emotional moments where this thing inside of us just kind of wells up. And it's not always sadness. It can be joy or anger or any number of things where this thing just kind of wells up inside of us. And some people would make an argument that an emotional response like that, it is often kind of the, the true colors of how we feel inside uh, coming, coming to the surface. And I will tell you, I've said this last week, um, in over 20 years of preaching, uh, maybe to my detriment, I don't ever remember preaching on this before. Uh, preaching on the idea of our uh, emotions. And I really should have, because here's, let me put this truth on the screen for you. God created our emotions. 
he, he did. One of uh, the first emotive moments uh, in the Bible is that uh, God has created Adam. And one of the first things God ever said about that, that wasn't good in his creation was it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so they kind of had this parade of animals in front of uh, Adam and no suitable helper was found for Adam. And so God, um, uh, God put Adam into a deep sleep, took a rib from him, formed the woman, and then woke him up from the surgery. And when he wakes up, Adam, the man, uh, we're not told he has an emotional reaction, but let me tell you what he does. He writes a song. So you know it was emotional, right? Right? He writes a song, and here's what the song says. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And we have been writing love songs for our significant others ever since. Right? There, there's this emotional moment that Adam has. You see it in Moses. When he, sees a, a, when he sees one of Pharaoh's men beating an Israelite slave, Moses has an emotional reaction to that. You see it in Nehemiah when he receives a letter about uh, the condition of the walls. When the people came back from exile, the walls were in absolute disarray. And Nehemiah gets this letter and he has an emotional reaction. You see it in Peter when he uh, betrays and denies Jesus for the third time and the rooster crows. He has this emotional reaction and we could do this all day. You see emotions all throughout the Bible. Maybe some of the best examples are what we're going to be in uh, the rest of this series. We're actually going to be in the words of Jesus uh, today, but in the Psalms, you see a lot of these emotional reactions in the Psalms. Let me put some of these on screen for you, just so you can see how emotive these Psalms are. There's loneliness. I am lonely and afflicted. There's love. I love you, O Lord, with my strength. There's awe. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. There is regret. I am sorry for my sin. There is discouragement and turmoil. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? There's shame. Shame has covered my face. There's exaltation uh, in your salvation, how greatly he exalts. There's marveling, right? We don't think about that as an emotion, but just think about the last time you marveled. There's marveling. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. There's delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. There's joy. We'll talk about that next Sunday. You have put more joy in my heart uh, than they have when their grain and wine abound. There is fear. Serve the Lord with fear. There's anger. Uh, be angry and do not sin. In a couple uh, Sundays, we're going to look at Psalm 137. You know, there's a whole category of psalm called the cursing psalms or the imprecatory psalms, uh, and they're dark, all right? So in a couple weeks, we're going we're gonna to study that together. Uh, psalm 137 is an example of that. Um, uh, peace, in peace I will lie down and sleep. Grief, my eyes waste away because of grief. There is desire, O Lord, you, ha you hear the desire of the afflicted, and there is hope. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. There is brokenheartedness. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. There is gratitude. I will thank you in the great congregation. There is zeal. Zeal for your house has consumed me, and there is pain. I am afflicted and in pain. There is confidence. Though, the, though uh, war rise against me, yet I will be confident." How's that for a list? You see it all throughout the Bible. God has created our emotions and God has placed these emotions inside of us. And my question for the remainder of this series is how do we manage these things called emotions, 
right? So I want to show you Jesus's words. We want to start with Jesus. We're not going to start in Psalms. We'll be in Psalms the rest of the, the rest of the series, but let's start with the words of Jesus in Matthew 22, uh, verses 34 uh, through, through 40. Um, and uh, I want to show you, Jesus actually addressed uh, this idea of emotions, and I'll put it on the screen for you. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, all right? So I want to show you what Jesus says about emotion, all right? He uses a a certain word for it, but I want to build up to that a little bit by explaining kind of how we're to love God with these various parts of our being, all right? So love the Lord your God with all your heart, all right? So we tend to think about our heart as the seat of our emotions because that is how our culture uses the word heart. I love you with all of my heart, right? I love you with all my heart. This is the seat of our emotions, but that's not what it meant in Jesus's day. In Jesus's day, the heart was the seat of your will. It was the seat of your decision-making. So Jesus starts out by saying, love God with your decisions. Love God with your will. Now, how exactly uh, do you do that, right? Well, we know from, from many, many sermons that you've probably heard over the years that one of the ways we do that is we bend our desire and we submit our our will to the will of God. And so the first thing we ask is, God, what is your will in this situation? I want my will to be your will. I want to bend my will. I want to bend my desire, God, to your will. I don't want to take any actions or do anything that is contrary to your will. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, you understand this, all right? We have a seven-year-old, and this might really surprise you about a seven-year-old, but he's old enough to have a will, right? He, my son has a will, all right? And every once in a while, his will comes in conflict with my will. And here's what we're doing. Through rewards, through consequences, through teaching, we are trying to teach Sam to bend his will to our will, to submit to our will over his will because we're his parents. But there's another reason we're doing it is that we want him to learn to do this with us so someday he'll do it with God. Right? We, we want him to someday say, man, God's will is the most important thing. And so I'm going to bend my will. I'm going to bend my actions to the will of my heavenly father. And hopefully that, that will begin to happen as he gets older. This is what it means, though, to love God with all your heart. It starts with loving God. Love God with all your heart. It starts with loving him. And then I'm going to bend my will. I'm going to bend my desire to the will of God. All right. Next, love the Lord your God with all your mind. All right. That this is our thought life. Uh, this is a discipline that says, man, because I love God, I am going to try to bend my thoughts to the thoughts of God. I'm going to try to submit my thoughts to the thoughts of God. I want to think what he wants me to think about. I want to meditate on what he wants me to meditate on. I want to submit my thought life to him. He's heard the apostle Paul said it. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is Paul's version of this. Paul says, I am going to discipline my mind and submit my mind to the mind of Christ. And so I'm going to try to think about what he wants me to think about. I'm going to try to meditate, right? So you get the idea, all right? Uh, This wasn't in our text today, but in other texts on this exchange, this appears. Love the Lord your God with all of your strength, all right? 
So this is what we actually do, what we're actually striving for. That man, when I think about what I'm working toward and striving toward, I want to submit that to the will of God. I want to I work toward what he wants me to work toward. I want to strive toward what he wants me to strive for. I want to build the things that he wants built. And so all, you see how this is working, right? It is loving God first, and then it's submitting our mind and our will and our actions to Christ. And then Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your soul. All right, the soul describes this inside part of us that is different from the animals. Um, that, that we, as human beings, we have a soul. We are wired up with a, a, a heart for God, all right? God placed that inside of us. But one kind of part of this that we're going to focus on a little bit is that we are wired up with emotions in a different way than animals are, all right? So I remember I was watching uh, National Geographic one day, and I watched, it was the most awesome thing, all right? I watched an animal go into a pride of hyenas, go into a pride of hyenas, knock one of them, kill one of them on the ground. Then that lion dragged the hyena out into the desert and proceeded to eat it. Now, it was awesome, all right? You have to take my word for it. But let me tell you what I didn't see. I did not see a lion that was racked with guilt. He didn't seem to feel bad about what he had done at all, all right? He wasn't racked with shame. He wasn't depressed. He was acting on instinct. Uh, you are not like that lion, right? We, we have this internal kind of soul part of us. So this Greek word for soul that ends up being translated from the original the, in, into our uh, English word soul, this kind of idea of soul in the Bible, it carries with it lots of different emotions. So when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your soul, he's talking about this emotive, emotional side of us. So let me give you a few examples. This word is used uh, in Matthew 26 and Mark, four, Mark, Mark 14 to describe a time of grief that Jesus is experiencing. In John 12, it is used to describe a time of anguish. In Luke 1, it is used to describe exaltation. In Matthew 12, it is used to describe pleasure. This is a word, this idea for soul carries with it. And, and one kind of narrow highway that we're going to focus on, it's not all your soul is. There's lots of elements to your soul, but one part of your soul and one part of mine is our emotions. So this becomes the question. Put it on the screen for you. What does it look like to love God with our emotions? What does that look like, all right? Because God created our emotions. He placed them inside of us. As we all know, they are powerful motivators. So how do we, what we've been talking about, how do we bend our emotions and how do we submit our emotions to Jesus, right? Because that's what he says we should do with our mind. That's what he says we should do with our will. That's what he says we should do with our strength is that we should bend those things or submit those things to Jesus Christ, so how do you do that with your emotions? How do we love him with our emotions? And I want to put a, screen, a, a statement on the screen for you. Unfortunately, uh, I found this couple of sentences a long time ago when I first started researching for this series, and uh, I didn't put the person that said it. So this is not me, but whoever it was was really good because this is good stuff, all right? Here's what he says about how we do this, all right? Understand this. Emotions aren't imperatives, Say, what do you mean by that? They're not commands. In other words, they're not your boss, All right? So that's the first thing to understand here. Emotions, your emotions are not your boss. They're indicatives. They're reports. 
They are gauges, not guides. All right? So emotions should be a gauge. And they are a powerful gauge for us, all right? So uh, several years ago, I had my first car, all right? I was a teenager, I had my first car, and I started driving that car around, and a check engine light came on in that car. And I was young, and I was naive, and I didn't know what I was doing, but that red light bothered me, right? And I didn't have the money to fix it. I didn't have the money to have it checked out. So I took a a little three by five card and a piece of black tape and I covered the light up on my dashboard, right? Now I'm gonna add, I don't usually ask this. I'm gonna ask for a verbal response. Good idea or bad idea? Bad idea, right? Emotions are the same way. They are the red light that comes up on the console of of our life. And what I find a lot of people want to do, especially people that are wired up a little bit like me, what a lot of people want to do is they want to ignore their emotions. They want to take a three by five card and a piece of black tape, and and they just want to cover it. Good idea or bad idea? Bad. Right? Because they are alerting us. Our emotions are created by God. They're placed inside of us. They are alerting us to something going on that needs attention. So listen to me. Anger. When you feel anger, eh, 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 that's a red light on the console of your life. Anger is a gauge. It is telling us and, and commanding us to pay attention to something. There's some, I feel angry. There's something I need to pay attention to. Sadness, depression, it is a gauge. Eh, eh. It's a red light. It's telling us to pay attention to something. Jealousy is a gauge. It is. It's telling us to pay attention to something. Even joy is a gauge, right? Joy, uh, celebration is commanded in the scriptures. Did you know that? You serve a God who commands you to celebrate. So if God is blessing in some way and something really good is happening, pay attention to that. Express gratitude. Throw a party. So emotions are created in us to be a gauge, but not a guide. Let me say it to you another way. You and I should not be led by nor governed by our emotions. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. We are to love him with our emotions. So emotions are not our Lord. Emotions are not our Savior. Emotions are not our guide. They are a gauge. Let me be even more clear. Jesus is your guide. Listen to him. Jesus is your director. Listen to him. We are to to bend and submit our emotions to Jesus, but we are to follow him explicitly. So here's what I mean. Emotions will lead you sometimes, not always, all right? I don't want this to be negative emotions because God created our emotions, but emotions will sometimes tell you and lead you to places Jesus would not lead you to. Anger will tell you, mistreat them. That's what anger will tell you sometimes. Anger will tell you to mistreat them. Sorrow will tell you to self-medicate. Excitement will tell you to party too hard and for too long. So sometimes emotions, when we use them as a guide and not a gauge, will lead us to places where we shouldn't go. And so our, the discipline of our life needs to be, I'm not listening to my emotions. They're telling me to pay attention to something. I feel anger. I feel sadness. I, I feel jealousy. I need to pay attention to that and focus on that. But I am not going to do whatever they tell me uh, to do. And I'll tell you, all right, I want, I'm going to say this in a couple of messages, that I think sometimes emotions 
can become so powerful and big enough and powerful enough that sometimes we need to see a third party, like a counselor. To, to get control of that. It's like, man, there was a season of my life where I was so angry and, and so bitter and so grief stricken that I'm like, I am beginning to listen to my emotions more than I'm listening to Jesus. And, and they are not leading me to the same place Jesus will lead me to. They have become more of a guide than, uh, than, uh, than a gauge. And so I went and saw a good Christian counselor and I am a big, big believer in that. I really am. That sometimes it's like, man alive, this anger, I can't let this go. This depression, I can't get a hold of it. This jealousy, it, it's beginning to tear me apart. That are, those are signs and symptoms that maybe your emotions are becoming your guide when Jesus should be your guide. And you, you know what a good counselor does? A, a good counselor allows you to come into a safe office and dump out your emotions and begin to leave them with the counselor. You say, well, that seems like a really mean thing to do. They're paid well for it, right? So, uh, um, but th this is part of what good counseling does. It's like, I'm gonna leave these with you. These are not my guide. I want Jesus to be my guide. So I need to leave some of these emotions with you um, and begin to allow, give Jesus control uh, again. So emotions are not my guide. Jesus is my guide. He is my Lord. And sometimes you need a third party to sort that out. But always never forget, this is part of the discipline of bending our emotions to him. Jesus is my guide. So he's leading you to grace. He's leading you to grace. I promise you he is. Emotions are not always going to lead you to grace. He's leading you to love. He is. The scriptures are clear on this. He's leading you to love. Emotions are not always going to lead you there. He's leading you to peace. Emotions are not always going to lead you there. He's leading you to authentic, real joy. Emotions are not always going to lead you there. He's leading you to life. Emotions are not always going to lead you there. And so one of the things that emotions begin to do is we need to recognize the red light that's going off. It's like, man, this anger thing's going off. This sadness thing's going off. We, we, we need to see the light. Sounds weird for a preacher to say that. <laughs> see the light and pause and pray and seek third-party help if we need it. But do not allow your emotions to be your commander and your chief uh, and, and, and your guide. They are just gauges. And Jesus is that good leader. As a matter of fact, uh, we're getting ready to enter into a time of communion together. And this is a time every Sunday where we celebrate what a great leader Jesus is and how he is so worth following because it's when we receive communion together that we remember his death, his burial and resurrection. And this is a time for us to remember that man, Jesus was so graceful to us. He is a leader worth following. He is powerful. He rose from the dead. He is a leader worth following. He, he lives, he, he is alive and he leads us to life. He is a leader worth following. And so um, as we receive communion together over the next few minutes, I want us to just focus on Jesus the leader. It's like, man, have I been listening to my emotions as a leader and not just a gauge, as a guide, not just a gauge? Um, have I given them more power and more control over my actions than I need to? And I want to begin, I don't know about you, because emotions affect everybody. I want to begin today to say, what would it look like for me to bend my emotions to and submit to the rule of Christ, right? And anytime there's a contrary message, it's like, man, my emotion's telling me to do this, but Jesus says to do this, right? Preacher thing to say, listen to Jesus. He's gonna lead you to life, right? So if, if you're getting mixed messages from your emotions, go with Christ. He, he's, he's a good leader. 
Um, and uh, we're going to be in this thing for seven weeks together and just kind of talking through emotion and um, the, best way to, the best way to let them be a gauge, the best way to uh, bend them to the, to the rule of Christ, the, the best way to worship them with Jesus. But today, we want to start with Jesus the leader. That man, we want to follow you. Emotions are not our leader. Jesus, you are. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you for his rule and reign. Uh, we want to bend our emotions to Jesus. We want to submit our emotions to Jesus. So whatever emotions we're facing today, um, we want to worship you with them. Um, help us to see what the emotions that you have placed inside of us. Help us to begin to see um, what the gauge might be. It's like, man, I'm really angry. I need to look at that and submit that to you. I'm really depressed. I need to look at that and submit that to you. I'm really jealous. I need to look at that and submit that to you. I'm really happy. I, I need to look at that and celebrate what's going on and submit it to you. And so help us to do that, Lord, um, during this time of communion. Help us to submit everything to your lordship because your death, burial, and resurrection um, showed us the leader that you are, full of grace, full of power, full of peace, full of life. We want to submit to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're going to pass communion, and uh, you can hold on to those for a few minutes. I'll come back up in just a few minutes after we all have it, and we'll receive it together. <laughs>